All right, my guest on uh, Tim Gaither podcast today is Warren B. Hall, my buddy from. Uh, did we meet in Cleveland? We met in Cleveland. Yes, yes. The uh, the Cleveland Improv we met uh, probably 2011. I don't I don't remember years anymore. I do. I think it was. Uh, I, I, the reason I do is because it was the first time I. No, it was the second time I headlined the Cleveland Improv. Um, you know what? You were absolutely right because my now wife was my new girlfriend, and uh, we met in 2009. Didn't see each other for two years, and then we hit it hardcore. So that was actually 2011. Yeah. Well done, TG. <laughs> yeah, I had that big beard. And uh, um, yeah, I remember it was one of the first times I got really crappy money. Oh my God, it was hilarious. Yeah. Let's talk about the hair change. So he, he shaved, and his hair is totally different than the last time I saw him. So I come to the green room, and he goes, Hey, Warren, how you doing? Puts his hand out, and I go, Nice to meet you, thinking he's the MC. <laughs> and it was looking at his face, looks shy, he goes, you know me! And I was like, oh, oh, hey! That was hilarious, though. That made me feel good. You know me! Yeah, yeah. Um, Tommy Davidson, we were talking about him earlier. He uh, He's one of those guys that he... I've had good conversations with him, and I'm like, hey, Tommy, how you doing? And he's like, hey, man, who are you? Like, exactly. I'm like, we talked for an hour two days ago. Tommy Davidson has a road dude who goes, like his tour manager, who goes with him. And uh, I want to do a character on this guy, because... He doesn't look at you. He never looks at you directly. He always looks to the left or the right of you. And he always goes, Tommy gonna do what Tommy gonna do. He cannot make eye contact. He cannot make eye contact with you. So one time, Tommy's going over 45 minutes. He's wow. literally going over 45 minutes. And they're lighting them. They're sending smoke signals. And the owner, I'm standing right there. The owner goes over to his boy. He goes, hey man, what's going on with your guy? We keep giving him the light. And he's looking right at him. And this dude won't look at him in the head. He goes, well, Tommy gonna do what Tommy gonna do. <laughs> Tommy, go, Tommy Davidson. Tommy gonna do what Tommy gonna do. I want to do a character where I just go, someone's not going to do what someone's not going to do. And look left and never look at you. Tom Davidson right there. Man, I, I don't understand. The other night, uh, Friday, I think it was, or I think it was Saturday, second show. Okay. They were probably, in my eyes, the best show of the week. And I think I did like 52, maybe 53. Okay. And in my head, I was like, God, you're going way over. What's wrong with you? You know, like... And I'm supposed to do, this week I told the guy, I was like, I'll do, I'll never do less than 45, and I'll usually do around 50, I'll never go pretty much over that. You know? Very respectable. And in my head, I'm thinking, you're, you're being a dick right now. Like, <laughs> like, you've done 53, you need to get out of here, you know? And uh, so I don't understand the mentality, how people are able to, there's some guys that will go over by like, I've heard of certain people by doing like two and three hours longer than they were supposed, longer than their original hour. He did it on purpose. It was on purpose. Before the show, you know how when you ride over on a Friday night, something owners just say, they always go, hey, just so you know, uh, we got two shows tonight. Keep that first show tight. It's a, it's a regular thing they say. He says it and Tommy snaps. He goes, I know. I know, calm down. I need you to tell me. I know. And I'm like, I'm going to go in the next room. So I walk away. So I was there. I knew exactly why he went over 45 minutes. When the guy oh. gave him the light, why well, he ignored it. He did it on purpose, 100%. Huh. That's Tommy Davidson. He's going to do what he's going to do. <laughs> yeah, that was no accident. Yeah, we had a great conversation one night. I mean, to where I was like, I'm kind of friends with Tommy Davidson now. <laughs> <laughs> and the next uh, time I saw him, I was like, hey, Tommy. And he was like, hey, who are you? And I was like, oh, wow. That's how John Fox was with me all the time. Really? It was hit and miss. And I'd worked with him like seven or eight times. And I'm like, hey, Warren, good to see you, good to see you. Other times, like, 
are you the kid driving me this week? Like, yeah, hey, it's good to see you. It's more. Uh, you driven me before? I drove you yesterday. <laughs> Did that guy ever have a license? I don't know. I don't think. I think maybe in his teens he may have had one. But Man, yeah. I gave him a ride one night. That's the first time we ever worked together. I, I gave him a ride from somewhere in Michigan to where he lived in Chicago. It was about an hour and a half. And it was the longest hour and a half of my life. I mean, God bless, God rest your soul. You were a grumpy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, hard luck having, Uh, holy shit, man. I mean, he told me some stories and we were at. uh, He told you multiple stories? uh, He told me one long story that uh, it just. I don't remember what he what the story was. Something about his daughter getting getting hurt or something. Um, the story went on forever. We got to Chicago, and he convinced me to go to the bars with him. So I'm following John Fox, and I've only been doing comedy three or four years, so I know who the guy is enough to where I'm like, right, it's kind of cool that I'm hanging out with John Fox, but he's also John Fox, <laughs> <also> John Fox, <laughs> and uh, um, so every bar that we went to. He would go, shot, beer, and pound his hand on the bar, and they'd give it to him, and he'd pound it, and he'd pound the beer, and we'd be there like maybe two minutes, and he'd be like, let's get the hell out of here. And when I'd follow him into another bar, and he'd do the same thing, bang on the table, shot, beer. And by the time we got to his, back to his house, I was just so drunk I could barely see straight. And he's like making me read this script that he wrote that he thinks is really <laughs> brilliant. It's like uh, 3 o'clock in the morning. We've uh, done a comedy show already. I'm drunk. I'm right. stoned. All this stuff. And I'm sitting there trying to read the script. And I'm just like doing that polite thing where I'm like, I guess I should probably laugh about here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I would laugh. And he's like, pretty funny, huh? And I'm like, yeah. Fourth paragraph. And anyone who's listening who doesn't know who John Fox is, he is the reason that I quit drinking. Oh, he's yes. not the reason, but I have a picture of him. On my refrigerator, his headshot to remind me why I quit. Because this guy, at one time, had the world by the balls. True, true enough. John Fox was on The Tonight Show like 20 times. Yep. He used to look like a surfer. He was this good-looking guy. Rodney Dangerfield loved him. He loved him. He was his boy. He was on all his HBO specials. I mean, the guy was set. He was ahead of his time at the time. Yeah, and he drank it all away, and I think the healthiest thing he probably ever put in his body was a hot dog. Man. And he, he died of a very treatable cancer um, because he never went to the doctor or anything. But but he's the reason, that, or he's the, uh, the the picture that I chose to stick on my fridge. Like, what of a... You don't want to wake up in your mid-40s and be that guy, you know? One of the, the rumors about him, a lot of comics know, is that whenever you go to a condo and there's leftover mayonnaise, yeah. Joe needed Because it was a rumor that he had put his dick in the mayonnaise and all this stuff. Yeah. And just to, so so a roommate would stop eating his food. So people, you'd go to places, there'd be a note going, hey, John Fox was there last week. Take your own chances. So this is all I know of John Fox the first time I meet him. Right? Yeah. So I'm supposed to drive him to Crackers. And he says, hey, uh, you're the feature. He comes from wherever his room is. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good to meet you. Good to meet you. He goes, here. And he hands me a glazed donut. No wrapper. Just, just a glazed donut. And in my mind, I'm thinking, dear God, he's done something to this donut. I can't eat this donut. What's this glaze? But how do I not say, hey, man, did you do something to this donut? So I'm like, oh, yeah, hold on a second. So I get this paper towel, and I, I grab the, the, the donut, 
and he's got a box of cereal with him. He's like, yeah, come on with me. Let's walk. So he's walking. He's talking. And the whole time we're talking, I'm thinking, how am I going to pretend to drop this donut or do something <laughs> so I don't have to eat it? There happened to be a little lake by where we were staying. He just wanted to feed the ducks. He goes, yeah, I got this here so you can feed the ducks too. So he was just being a cool guy. Yeah. He had no intention of me eating this thing. But all I could think of is, I can't eat this glazed John Fox donut. When I work with him, he, he would tell me one story over and over. He just kept forgetting he was telling me the same story. It was a story about Polly Shore. When he was a kid, you know, I used to work for Mitzi, Mitzi Shore. And I would paint. And uh, he was a kid then. He'd come in. And he'd want to help me paint. He goes, so I'm working on one wall. 20 minutes later, I turn around. He's wrote nothing but obscenities on the other wall behind him. So then, of course, Mitzi comes in like, what, what are you doing? My kid's here. So uh, he totally threw him under the bus. But he told me that story like four or five times. Really? Every time I drive into the show, like, yeah. Yeah, is that what Polly did? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I liked the guy. He was a likable guy. But yeah, yeah that was the thing. He was, he was uh, gruff, and uh, and he had a very sweet side to him. Yep. You know? Um, so, it's, you know, we've all got our reasons and our weird things, but he was definitely a different breed of cat, and uh, God rest your soul. And I'm not sure, I think he's got, he's got kids living, so I hope they're doing good. Speaking of... Uh, People who were good souls. Robert Schimmel. Oh, man. Robert Schimmel was a great, great, great guy. And super hilarious. I don't curse when I talk to my mom. Repeating his jokes the only time I curse to my mom. I'm like, mom. And then he's like, I'm sorry, mom. I got to tell you. He said this, this, this. And she laughs. But uh, I worked with him years ago in Dayton. I'm at an airport. And uh, I see him. And I'm looking like, hey. I know he's not going to remember me. So I come up. And he's giving me that look like, I know you. I go, hey, Mr. Shimley, I hope you don't remember me. My name's Warren Behold. We work together here. He goes, yeah. He goes, me and you went to a store, bought mittens for my daughter. I go, we did. I totally forgot about it. Then we went to a glasses store. Yes, we did all that. That's great. So we're talking. While we're talking, people are walking by, and they're recognizing him. They're waving, and he's shaking hands. We're making small talk. So as we're talking, Doug Stanhope goes running by this airport. It turns out we're, we're going to the same place. We're both flying to uh, Indianapolis. So Doug Stanhope goes running by wearing pajamas. Yeah. And uh, he's got his girl Bingo with him. And he runs by, sees Robert, turns around, comes over, and goes, hey, Robert, what's going on? Blah, 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 good to see you. Hey, I can't stop. We're, we're almost late for our flight. So they go running away. And he goes, oh, he just nods his head. And I go, was that uh, Doug Stanhope? And Schimmel goes, is that who that was? <laughs> and I go, you remembered me? You didn't remember Doug? He goes, please, hey, I don't, uh, I don't want to read about this on Facebook. <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious. So after he had passed, uh, I told Stanhope that story. And he goes, yeah, I don't remember that day at all. So, all right. <laughs> but yeah. when I told him pajamas, he was like, well, it must have been me, because Bingo, she runs in pajamas all the time. Shimmel was awesome. He was, uh, and, and the guy, gosh, he beats cancer. He had, like, heart problems. He beats all these horrible health problems, and then gets into a car, a, a car accident with his 15-year-old daughter. She was, like, learning to drive, I think, and, and gets into a wreck, and, and he passed away that way. But he closed his... Uh, one of his HBO specials with a poop joke and it was so he goes he goes uh, he goes I'm out on the phone with my dad and I go dad I don't know how to tell you this but I just took a poop and it's black and he goes well Robert I don't know how to tell you this but I'm in a business meeting and you're on speakerphone there <laughs> <laughs> it is and what an easy joke you know after after you hear it you're like god that was so easy and Right, but yeah, he, he, he made everything like that perfect. Oh, so at the airport, uh, turns out we're flying the same place. When we get there, we're still having a conversation. Turns out his car service 
did something with his reservation so I don't have it. I go, if you want, I can drive you. I know the hotel they put you in because we were staying at the two clubs that were there and I've worked both of them. I'm like, I know right where they put, I know your hotel. He goes, well, it's not out of your way. I go, it is out of my way, but for you, I will gladly do it. So I'm driving this hotel and he goes, uh, what are you doing tomorrow, Warren? I go, well, I'm just doing shows. He goes, well, they got a new James Bond movie coming out. Do you like James Bond? Of course I like James Bond. He goes, you come, uh, uh, pick me up, I'll pay. We'll go see. We saw Quantum of Solace together. <laughs> me, him, and James P. Conley is who I was working with, so I brought James with me, so uh, it was a good time. What, what were you doing? Were you guys at Crackers or something? He was at either Crackers or Morty's, and I was actually working in Bloomington. Okay. But I didn't tell him I was that far out because I didn't want him to feel bad about it. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So you, you got to go to a movie with Robert Schimmel. Yeah, yeah. So I drove up crazy. The second I let him off, I had to go 100 miles an hour to make my show on time. But uh, yeah, it was That's worth funny, it. man. It and, was and, worth it. And it is worth it. I, I You know, Emo Phillips. Oh, yeah. Um, he's brilliant, too. And I, I had one of those surreal stories, uh, surreal moments, rather, where uh, I, I was working at the St. Louis Funny Bone. I was featuring for him, and... First of all, crowds are so dumb. I've been doing comedy like five years, and Emo Phillips is just brilliant. Right. And, and I remember some. I'd, I'd have people coming up to me going, you should be the headliner. And I'm like, you're so stupid. Like, right. yeah. you think I should be headlining over Emo freaking Phillips? You know, like, people are so dumb. But that's not the story. He, um, he I gave him a ride back to the hotel, and this little, I had this little Mercury Capri Cougar <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, convertible. <laughs> And he was like, he was like, this is an interesting car. <laughs> and then I give him a ride back to the hotel. And he's like, would you like some marijuana? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and so I go up to the roof and they had a pool on the roof at this hotel in St. Louis. Nice. And I'm sitting up there and it's just he and I and we smoke a doobie. And it's me and Emo Phillips and... He was on the first HBO special that I ever saw. Him Man. and Dice and somebody else that planted the seed. Like, right. that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Even though I didn't know that I, that's what I was going to do. you watched it, yeah. You know, I was like 10 years old when I watched that special and he was on it. And he was really weird but funny as hell. And I was just sitting on that. And I was like, dude, you have no idea how surreal and weird this is for me. I'm glad that, you mentioned it. Yeah. That I was, you mean, why do you, why do you I, mean? I'm saying, you, you mentioned it to him? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah. what I'm you actually told oh, yeah. him. Oh yeah, you know. You need to know this. Yeah, and, and I think he appreciated <laughs> it, but, because uh, I've met other people and tried to, <laughs> I met, you know what a big wrestling nerd I am. Yeah, yeah. And I met Dan Gable, and it was at the World Championships, and I was going to meet him, and I was like in line, and I, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but I almost had tears in my eyes. I'm like, I'm going to How old were you? I'm going to. This was last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with my girl, my wife now, and I'm like, I'm like, uh, I'm like, I'm in line, and I'm so excited. I'm like, almost tearing up. I'm like, I'm gonna meet fucking Dan Cable, and I get up there, and I'm like, I'll, I'm gonna say something cool to him or whatever. This means a lot to me. I'm like, it really means a lot to me to meet you. And he looks at me, barely even looks at me, and he goes, Yeah, okay. <laughs> he just, he just totally like. You know, the guy's a wrestling legend. He's heard that yes. from everyone. Yes. So prettier girls than you. Yeah, from prettier girls than me, oh, exactly. So who's your first favorite wrestler? Your first favorite wrestler? Oh, uh, gosh. My first favorite wrestler? Probably a guy named Eric Aiken, the first state champion I knew. Um, 
he ended up being a four-time All-American and Division One and two-time Olympic alternate. But because I knew him, right. he, he was the first real badass that right. I knew, like on a personal level. Uh, but uh, I've got a ton of them now. Now, from from doing the real deal, how do you feel about televised wrestling? Um, you know, I, I don't watch This is Warby it. Hall's podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have our guest, Bill Gaither, answer some questions. <laughs> no shit, I've got all these questions here for you. Um, no, but sincerely, so how do you feel about when you see the televised wrestling? Well, it's hard for me to watch because I, in my eyes it's so freaking stupid. Right. But... Um, the only time I enjoy it is I have a, an aunt in Arkansas okay. who really likes it a lot. Like she believes it. I mean, well, thank God she revealed to me that she didn't believe it. Because uh, for about 30 minutes, I was like, holy shit. She's my, aunt, my aunt Patricia thinks this is real. Like, because she's like, no, I like that. Under-. I mean, she is Southern. Right. She is from Southern Arkansas. Right. Never been out of Calhoun County. Oof. I mean, she's... Um, but she's dating a black guy now, oh. which, which which is awesome because <laughs> because my aunt when I was growing up, uh, she lived in a real small bubble. Had some misconceptions. She did. She? Yes, she did. And her uh, her it was funny actually. Her uh, her husband passed away, and in her most like revealing in her in her I don't even know how to say this. Um, in the moment that I was most proud of how far she had come. Right. Uh, uh, like, because she was dating a black guy now versus a lady that I knew as a kid was pretty yeah. prejudiced. Yeah. And uh, so, but and she goes, when she was telling me about the guy that she was dating, she goes, now, Timmy, he's a black. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I was thinking in my head, like, even at her most, like, like, uh, I don't even know the word. Even though at the, at her most evolved point, like where she's finally like realizing like people are people and right. God made us all the same and blah blah blah, she was still a little racist. You know what? <laughs> I, I thought it was good because it could have been worse. It's colored. You know, it could have been a bunch of different things. So, she, you know, and I go, I was like, her. I was like, I I don't care about that. I I have black friends. I would die. For, I would take a bullet for. I wouldn't die for him. I'd, I'd take a bullet for him. Hope um, to make it to safety. <laughs> Yeah, um, but my point about her was that she that I, she took a little bit of uh, she was always just getting really fired up about the wrestling and and now I like Ed Undertaker and your Uncle Charles he like blah 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 and I was thinking fuck she she really and after about thirty minutes she goes I know it's all a put on and I was like oh thank God because like, she's one of my you know she's she's one of my favorite aunts she's you wouldn't be able to tell her she's one of the sweetest people yeah. Um, but it is nice to see people change like that, you know. Like I said, her my uncle snatched her up when he was like twenty five, and she was about fifteen, Man. and just kind of took her off and and. Here's how we do things. Yeah, made her his, you know, and then he passed away, and and she's was was miserable for a while, and now she's uh, um, just going out and doing stuff, and it's she's like in her sixties, and she's like born again. It's freaking yeah. awesome. See. So, uh, yeah, this is the podcast about my aunt, Patricia. Uh, how do we, we cover all things here? We cover all things. <laughs> I didn't look at a watch. I'm going to watch. Yeah, so, um, wrestling, as far as, uh, I don't I don't watch the fake shit, but I love real wrestling. It, it takes up way too much of my time. I was just watching a thing online today, and it was showing uh, 
picture called Miss Opportune Moments or something like that. And uh, a lot of them happen to be wrestler dudes after they won. Yeah, hard-ons. And you can clearly see it in their little one-two joke. It's like, what is that? Why are you the hard on? I love winning too, but never had a won anything. Ah, raging hard on. No wonder you won. The dude lets you win. Yeah. Um, singlet. That is the word of the day. Singlet. Yeah, now they're kind of getting away from that, actually. They're, uh, their kids are wearing, like, uh, fight shorts, they call them, and, like, ah. and regular shirts. Oh. And it's helping kids, uh, like, middle school age want to get into it because when you're that age you're so body conscious and you got that you know your little little bulge and all that and it's yeah Yeah, you can tell Um, if they're left-handed that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so especially with with younger kids a lot of them just are like yeah i don't want to wear that but when you put them in shorts and a t-shirt now go wrestle you know and you're if you're body conscious you know like i i was one of those kids who had little love handles on, on my back and i was always like like worried about it in a singlet, like thinking I looked bad or whatever. Right. And, um, it, it would, I think it would be good for your confidence. But anyway, let's. We're gonna edit some of this crap out and we're uh, keeping it all. <laughs> <laughs> how long are we doing this anyway? Oh, Twenty minutes. All right. Uh, so you've been doing comedy how long now, Warren? Officially since I started open mics, it's been twenty years since open okay. mics. I went full time in two thousand one. All right. Well, uh, it, it's it's good working with you. You're very likable and. Uh, have a relatable style and, and you're you're uh, you're one of the people who understands uh, um, that even though you you could you could fuck up a headliner's day if you wanted to um, you, you you how do I say this you you know that it's about like building a bridge for yeah, the show definitely. you know if the headliner can't follow my material and what I'm doing then that's on him right but I'm not going to go up there and throw a bunch of grenades in his show, right. like get the crowd all talkative or, you know, being filthy and doing right. all this shit, you right. know. And getting to work with somebody who understands that is a lot more rare than it used to be. It's an, it's an invaluable thing. First of all, thank you. Thank you. But I know exactly what you mean. My job this week, I'm a setter. He's supposed to bump it. I set it. You spike it. And we all look like geniuses. You know, that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah. If I dislike the person, or they have no ability being the headliner at all, oh well. I always say your job as a feature is to make the next guy work, you know. So I want you to work. Yeah. But I'm not trying to steal anybody's thunder in any kind of way. But thank you for actually seeing that because we all have dirtier stuff we could do. We all have after you know enough years. We all have, or we should have, a lot of different types of material. So yeah, I appreciate you uh, recognizing that. Uh, Staying in my lane. Yeah, and if a headliner can't follow someone because they're because you know you were killing it all week, and if a headliner can't follow that, then like I said, that's on them. But um, there are some guys who purposely try to be like, now follow that. Like they did forty, and they like they like did every they broke every fucking unwritten rule there is, and you're just like, eh, you're just you're just being kind of a dick. But uh, and and when you do. Those things, and you're still uh, really funny like you are, then it's just good to follow because then it's just a continuation. Yes, Yes. it's just a continuation of you know the feature went up and did some great material, and now I'm going to come up and I'm doing longer, so I might go into the crowd a little more. I might do this, I might do that, and and it's still open for me to do because 
they didn't go up and do everything in their 25 right. that I have to do 50 and I have to deal with the checks and this and that and you headline just as much as I do so you know. There was um, one show this week where I, it was one of the first ones where I felt bad because I talked the audience a little more. First of all, I want to say that you and I are people that I love people who, comedians who have material and can dip into the crowd, don't have to live there, get back out and get right back to material. Because in my mindset, dipping into the crowd is only to tighten the stitches to make us, we're locked in now because we all laughed at this guy in the front row with the crazy hat, whatever, whatever. Now we all know him. I can tag him again if something lulls. And then you as a headliner, you respect and watch a show to go, okay, I'm going to tap that guy a little bit too. And it, it adds it adds to it. Where some, some headliners don't listen to anything. They don't watch anything anybody else is doing and the show suffers for it. So I respect someone who pays attention. That guy last night was great with that... Uh... No grin? There no was grin? this guy in the front row who, the woman he was with, I mean, yeah. if I wasn't married, I would have hit on her in a yeah, second. Yeah. She was not only beautiful, but just fun, laughing at everything. Yep. You could tell she was just one of the sweetest, just genuinely sweet, beautiful people. You're like, man, this girl's kick ass. And she was with the grumpiest dickhead he looked like your father's pastor yeah not even an attractive older man just a dick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> almost like she was almost like she was such a nice person that she's like oh his life's miserable and i'm gonna date him for about a year right. and just try and get his life right. back together i'm such a great person it won't even hurt me i'll just i'll most, cut him loose with most some important thing he hasn't mentioned uh, is that this guy sat and stared at us with a stone face the entire Show everyone around him is dying, laughing, having a great time. His girl, all over the table, laughing. This guy, straight face, stone face. It's the craziest thing, dude. I, I was, I, I learned a long time ago. You can never please Every everyone. Time. You just can't. And what sucks is those nights where, you know, like last shows, last night's shows, both pretty damn good. Right. And tonight was. I mean, we did our jobs, but it, it was, was work tonight. Tonight, was work. tonight, yeah, tonight is what we got paid for. Right. Thursday and Sunday is what we got paid for. Right. And Friday and Saturday was was a lot of fun, but it's just crazy, man. the 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 inconsistency of comedy, the the consistency of the inconsistency, right, is the most consistent thing about this freaking business. Right. If that makes any sense. For those of you who are not comedians, imagine the brakes in your car. Sometimes they work. <laughs> Sometimes they don't work at all. Sometimes they work 40%. You never know what's going to happen when you push your brakes. Well, you know they're new. You know they're good. Who knows if they'll work. And it's like having brakes that... Because we've been doing this a long time now. And if we weren't pretty good at it, we would have probably quit. Because people who, um, people who are good at it are pretty hard on themselves, usually. Right. Um, right. So, my, my, um, what's my point in saying this? It, it's, you, it, you, it's like having brakes on your car that work most of the time. And then every now and again, they don't work at all. Right. And you just crash like a motherfucker. And right. then you're like, this car's brand new. And, you right. go to, and then you go to take it the next day and it works perfectly right. again. Yeah, and you're when, like, you, when you go to show the mechanic, <laughs> it works fine. Yeah. yeah. And they didn't fix anything. You didn't change anything. Um, and that, to me, is the... The craziest thing about this business is that we, um, and I think that's why I still get nervous because I never know if it's going to be how it is 
85% of the time, or if I'm going to get that crowd that all comes together to stare at me for... And what's the saying? Uh, uh, you're only as funny as your last show. Yeah. So if you have a week and every show kills, and then that last show you eat it, you feel like you're a horrible comic until you get a chance next week to redeem yourself. That's yeah. a weird thing. Well, this week I'm just going to pretend it ended last night and, uh, because because uh, it was a pretty good week and uh, and I don't want to... Uh, but they weren't horrible today. They weren't horrible. No, no, they weren't. And it was also one of those crowds that was enjoying it a lot more than they were letting, letting on. Right. There were no I, rollover minutes, as I call it. Yeah, yeah. I had a guy in... Uh, I had a very... I had a Sunday show in Kansas City about a month ago and... And the, uh, it wasn't anything special. I didn't have a particularly good time, especially after the weekend shows. And this old man came up to me afterwards and he goes, you are the best comedian I've ever seen. See? And I was like, am I the first comedian you've ever seen? <laughs> and he goes, no, but you're the best. And I was like, well, thank you. And he was like, I've seen a lot and you're the best. And, and to me that night sucked and, you know... I'm not saying I'm the best comic in the, on the planet, but to that guy I was, and that night, and I didn't particularly like that show at all. But I still did what I did the way I do it, and someone was able, and a lot of times people, even if you're not killing, there's still people there appreciating what you're doing, right. and they don't even notice that you're not killing. Right. That's they don't care. On ourselves, yeah. Yeah. But we, we just need to hear that, you know, I'm talking to you, answer me. Kind of thing, I you would know. Say it's like you're a waiter and you make a hundred bucks a day, and then one day you only make eighty. So people, are like, oh, it's still eighty bucks. You're like, yeah, but I'm used to yeah. hundred. I want that hundred. Yeah. Uh, I had worked with. Tell me, I'm sure you've had this happen to you, where I worked with a guy who did all crowd work. He did all all crowd work, <clears throat> and at the very end, he set it up so he could do one official joke, so he could jump off stage. Right. And of mm -hmm. course, it's weird for the headliner because now he's talked to everybody, so I can't even go. Hey, where are you from? We all know where you're from because he went through your whole family so he didn't leave me with much to work with. So I'm having to do material. And this is one of those rooms where now he's talked to them so much they think they can just talk to me now and they're screwing up my punchlines. So at the end of it, I remember this guy is talking to the other dude and he's going, man, you should have been a headliner tonight, man. You were killing us, blah, 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 the other guy. And in my mind, I was so angry because I wanted to tell the guy, you don't even know what you just saw. You yeah. saw a guy fuck around for 25 minutes, and then he did, he opened with a joke, and then he closed with a joke, so you get off, I could have made fun of your shirt for 30 minutes, I could yeah. have made fun of your shirt for 45 minutes, that, that was, that's not what comedy's supposed to be, bring something to the table. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and that, that, I've, people, I'm glad we're having this conversation, because, um, if people that don't understand, they, they think you're just being a bitch, or that, oh, we can't follow it, or, listen, dickhead, I can follow anything you got. I just don't want to have to follow certain shit. Right. Like, and when you go in and you open up 20 cans of worms for your 20 to 25, and you get off, and I got to do 45 to an hour it with checks with coming out worms. and all that shit and all these drunks, and now they think that's what we do. Oh, we talk to the comic. That's what we do. Right. No, you don't. Right. You, you know, and like I said, like we were talking about earlier, you want it to be your choice to go to the crowd if right. you want to. There are times I don't want to talk to those motherfuckers at all. <laughs> not at all. And sometimes I won't say a word to them. There was a girl, there was a lady in Omaha not too long ago, and it's her birthday, and I knew it was her birthday, but she wasn't laughing at shit. Okay. So I just didn't give her nothing. And I'd look at her every once in a while like, I'd tell you happy birthday. I'd maybe give you a round of applause if you... 
But you know, and every and, and every time I'd look at her, she'd look at me like, "Are you gonna say something about my birthday?" And I just wanted to go, "No, bitch, no. I'm not." <laughs> and I never did. And afterwards, I kind of felt bad, but not really. I wouldn't be laughing about it. But um, I found at shows, women who are drunk can't be beaten. Like if there's a drunk dude at a show, he yells something out. You can out funny him, and he'll most times take it. Mm-hmm. But women always stick together. Even when they're wrong. Yeah. So as a dude, if you and I are hanging out and you you've been drinking, you're talking a little crazy. I go pull you inside. Hey Tim, you know you're getting a little crazy over there. Let's, let's tone it down. Whatever. Or we leave. Whatever. Whereas women, you leave her alone. Mm-hmm. It's her birthday. And it's yeah. Like, just because her birthday doesn't I mean she gets to be a jerk. But uh, this lady was she was all over the place and acting up. And then I finally hit her with both barrels and uh, made her feel real bad. Her friends jump. You leave her alone. Blah blah blah. So that night on Facebook, one of these girls looks me up. Not even the girl. One of the girls looks me up, emails, or hits me up on Facebook and says, uh, you know, I was at the show and I thought it was really unprofessional the way you handled so-and-so. You ruined my friend's birthday party. And, and I said, well, you were sitting right next to that girl. How come you didn't tell her to be quiet? Oh, well, she's not really my friend. She's a friend of one of the girls who sometimes hangs out with her. Whoa, whoa, Why is it my job right. to take a punch in the face at my job? When you're sitting right next to her and you didn't have enough energy to say, hey, Sally, could you ask Tina to shut her fucking face? Yeah. So, but, but yeah, but she took the time to write to me and let me know that I wasn't in the yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's women can be the, uh, and, and another thing is they're less apt to come up to them. Security's less apt to come up to women. They don't tend to do it as much. And when they do, the woman gets a lot more pissed off usually than the guy. I agree. And like you said, the crowd gets on the woman's side a lot easier than they do. If it's some drunk, belligerent guy, they're like, get that asshole out of here. Exactly. And last week I was at uh, Pachanga in Temecula, California. And there was a lady up front and she uh, eventually had to leave. But uh, she was being that way. And the whole crowd, like all the women, not all of them, but you could tell some of them were mad at me. Right. Like... You're being mean to her. Right. And I'm like, she's ruining the show for everyone around her. I'm trying to help you guys, you know? Like, this isn't right. just about me. You guys paid money to be here. My favorite Warren original comeback is when someone is doing that, whether it's male or female. It's even funny when it's a female. Let me write it down so I can use it. Exactly. <clears throat> it's being recorded. Uh, I thought I'm going to go, look, for those of you who, who are in the back and you can't hurt her, hear her keep yelling these things out. Here's what it's like. It's like you're at work, whatever you do, you're giving a board meeting, you're giving a speech, and then Larry, from accounting, pulls his dick out. <laughs> I'm just saying, could you put your dick away, Larry? And it's funny when you call it shit, Larry, blah, blah, but that's, and the only time I get to use it is when someone's being the ultimate asshole. So it's, I, I'm glad that I don't get to use it that often, yeah. but I do enjoy when I actually get to put it out there, like, come on. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's unfortunate how how many people think it. They, I think they think it's. There was a lady not too long ago somewhere else that I I kind of gave her a little bit of crap and and she was then she's then she's trying to mean mug me in the whole show, right? You know, <laughs> like and I said something about her talking and she's like, well, the other comedians didn't have a problem with it, and I was like, they did. Trust me, they just didn't say shit, right. you know. And then she's trying to mean mug me, and I'm just like, bitch, I've been doing this for. 18 years, 16 for a living. You can't bully me. Exactly. You know? And she's like trying to just, you know, I'm like, I don't care if you don't like me. You you don't think I can look over your stupid head? Ugh. My favorite line to say to women is, uh, I'll go, (laughs) 
Uh, and, and some crowd, most crowds recognize that as a joke and they laugh their ass off, but occasionally when they, this is one of those jokes where when people don't laugh, it makes you feel like the biggest asshole on the planet. I'll go, I'll go, uh, I'll go don't piss me off. I beat women. A lot of people frown on that, but I find it builds my confidence. <laughs> and usually that gets a huge laugh because right. that's a clearly a joke, <laughs> or at least to most people. But every now and again, like tonight, I think I said that. And I think it was one of those where everyone was just like, you could have heard a pin drop. Mm -hmm. And that to me is so weird how you have those jokes. And that's how it is. Do you spend much time in Hollywood? Have you been out there much? No. No. Well, you'll have stuff that works in 49 other other states and 90% of California. And you'll go into Hollywood and do some jokes that just destroy all the time. And if you're not famous, they'll look at you like you're the biggest uh, asshole. They're just like, oh my God, I can't believe you. They're just, not always, not always. Comedy store is very weird. I've seen, David Tell was in there one night, and uh, he was in the main room. Right. And he goes, I was just in the OR doing these same jokes and eating shit. That room is the fucking devil. I will <laughs> never go back in there. <laughs> uh. And in, and, and in Hollywood, too, like at the Laugh Factory, if you go up at the wrong... there's They have great shows there, too, but um, if you go up at a time where they're really on the lookout for famous people, right. and you go up and you're not famous enough for them, they clearly are just like, they don't give a fuck what you're saying. And then some guy can go up that's famous and say some bullshit, some and they dumb. are just falling all over themselves yeah. and it's just sad it's sad to big me to watch spoon and the big four. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's, it's disheartening for me to watch I'm just like God I must feel bad for you people now watching you tell me when was the first time that the, the window the, the illusion was broken for you I remember I went on the road the first time I went on the road road with this guy he was hilarious blah 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 I hadn't seen him for a decade he's doing the same exact jokes i don't mean he kept some of the hits i mean he's doing the same exact set and it was just like nothing has happened to you in 10 years <laughs> I mean, that's what it felt like that's to me it's like you know, i remember thinking oh this guy is so funny and then it was that same exact and it was it 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 shattered the mirror for me like oh yeah well the it, my first was a guy named uh, brian burgess the first time i saw him do 15 minutes i never laughed harder in my whole life right and then I saw him do. I saw the di- I saw the dynamic of him having a really hot crowd that right. first time I saw him do right. fifteen, and then I saw him do forty five, and it was still great because I loved him and he thought he's hilarious. But I saw what having a shitty crowd did to his timing, mm. which was amazing yeah. until he got that shit crowd. But when he had, um, I feel like I tell this story every podcast I do, but. Um, Gallagher said one night in Vegas, he said to me, uh, I came out back after a show and I go, I didn't like that crowd. I just didn't like them. And he goes, yeah, I always say the crowd gets exactly the show they deserve. You know? And how true is that? Interesting. And I tell people all the time, if crowds knew how much better we are when they're good, right? they would always be good. That's true. Because when crowds suck... You don't feel like doing that big oh, act dude. out. Yeah, dude, yeah. you've got jokes that you <clears throat> that you you're when you're killing, you're like, oh, they're gonna love this, and when it's not going well, you're like, they're no. gonna hate this. Or you go, uh, or you go, I'm not even gonna do that one. Yeah, that takes all that setup, and you didn't deserve it. Yeah, 
or if they if they don't get subtle stuff like that crowd tonight was not a subtle audience like whenever I would do anything kind of they that was that was hitting good all weekend I would do it tonight and they weren't and and after a few minutes I could tell on a in those I can usually tell pretty quickly how a crowd's yeah. gonna be if they're not biting on the little stuff that right. that to me makes it a good joke if they're not getting the nuances that you know the reason I wrote that in there then I'm like Push play had, in my head too, you assholes. We had talked earlier today about how important uh, an MC actually is. Because a lot of people don't realize they always go, "Ah, I'm going to talk through this guy, and then we'll watch the next guy." And a that short changes the first dude. And if you truly pay attention to him, like you said, bumps that spike. It should set us. Actually, I said, uh, it should set us all up to look better if you're fully watching the show. So when I have shows, I'll tell my friends, "Yeah, I'm on Thursday." Well, what time are you going up? I was like, "No, don't do that." Come watch the whole damn show. So by the time I come on, you're even feeling more like laughing. But I hate people go, what time are you going on? Yeah. Okay, we'll get there 10 minutes before you. No, don't do that. Yeah. Go see the whole show. See yeah. a, good, a good host. Uh, so my point was going to be, uh, uh, I said earlier when I started, we weren't allowed to curse as MCs. There, there, was, just, there was no cursing at all. And uh, Where did you start? I started in Phoenix, Arizona. And you live where now? Uh, outside Chicago. Okay. So the problem with it was when I started, that was when all the other clubs closed. I guess there used to be a Finny Bone, and a Funny Bone, all kinds of stuff was in Phoenix just before I started. So when I started, there was only the improv, and they would only have open mic one Sunday. It was the first Sunday or the last Sunday of the month. So you had everybody in tri-state area show up and try to get on this uh, this open mic. And that's when I, when I realized... I'm funny. I came straight from work and I was late one night. I'm telling this guy Dino at the door. I go, Dino, I know I'm late. And I was hoping I could get on. I, I know I'm too late for the list. And he looks at me and goes, well, looks like Teddy's not going on tonight. And he bumped somebody. I was like, he bumped somebody for me. I'm a, I'm a person. I'm a comic. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember we used to have to pay $10 at Stanford. What? And yeah, those bastards. They, they used to make us pay ten dollars to go on stage, and I only did it I think once. Dude, and I got a pretty good response my first time, and I was like, I was I was like twenty three, and I was so cocky. I was like, I'm not paying ten dollars. They can fuck off. I'm funny. I was like mad the second time before I went on stage because they kept bumping me, and I was like, what the fuck? I killed last week. We had bringer shows. <laughs> we had bringer shows. We had to bring yeah. at least three people, which is the same as them just taking ten dollars out of our pocket. Yeah, but yeah. At least it looked like a crowd. When we did it that well, way. Well, we had a we had an open mic in Westport in Kansas City that was just amazing. It was just one of those rooms that if you couldn't do well in, you shouldn't do comedy. Bam. One of those rooms. And I feel that way about Tempe, Arizona, period. Man, the Tempe Improv. Yeah, that's where I started. That was my first room. That was my first that Dude, was the improv I'm talking about. Yeah. I love that freaking room. And the owner came in and watched me and supposedly was texting back and forth with a manager going, This guy's great and blah 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 and I can't get back in there. So what This the is fuck? recently? No, I this was well how long back it been? then that guy he's he's passed away now, that guy? Who passed away? Oh, it hasn't man. been that long. It's been like two years. Oh, okay. It's been like two years. That. But I love Dan Burr. Dan Burr. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know him. Uh, and I don't podcast. know this guy's name either, but in, in you know who knows maybe maybe the manager was just lying to me, but that's what she said. But I love that room, and I love Arizona. Period, man. It's just one of those kick-ass comedy states, and so is Ohio. Yes, Columbus, imagine Ohio. Imagine starting there. You think that's how all it yeah. pops up? It is yeah. a huge, ginormous stage. So I thought all comedy clubs that huge, ginormous stage. 
So the yeah. first time I went to an improv somewhere else, and it was a, like the one in DC is tiny. Really? You ever been in that one? No. It's the size of this table. So really? it's it's the room is like a regular size room, but the stage itself is like literally a little square box. It's seriously about this big? It's maybe the size of the couch. But that's it. That that's it. It's literally you walk in amongst everybody, step on this little slightly high riser. It's not even like you're up, just a little higher, and you do a show. It, it's the same as if you put two pallets on top of each other. And it's small. So coming from that... Is it cool? From... Uh, you know, it like, felt different. It felt different. Uh, it, 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 was, it was a weirdness. I, I didn't perform there. I didn't perform there. I went and watched Bob Saget there. And Bob Saget was great. The guy who opened for him was horrible. He was horrible. But I remember people were buying his CDs at the end of it. I remember thinking... What show were they watching? Yeah. That guy was horrible. Whose CD were they buying? Uh, the Features. Just the Feature Acts? And he was the, he was Bob Saget's feature? Oh, yeah. Bob Saget. He uh, killed. He killed. He did everything yeah. he was supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, but well, I that's why. That, Sometimes they just walk out of there so happy that they saw someone famous. They'll buy whatever. That makes sense. Someone. That makes sense. Because he had a lot of love he should not have received. This girl, while Bob Saget was on, he said something about uh, John Stamos. And this girl's like, do you still talk to him? Yeah, you know I still talk to him. We're real friends. I'll call him right now. So he takes his phone out and he calls him and he has a speaker and Stamos says, hello. He says, hey man, what are you doing? He goes, hey, I'm doing, hey, are, you, are you on stage right? Are you on stage again? And so obviously he's done before. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to show, blah, blah. And this girl yells out, how's Rebecca? And this is when him and Rebecca Romaine Stamos just got separated, divorced or whatever. And everyone's kind of like, ooh. And he goes, what did she say? And Bob goes, don't worry, buddy. I'll take care of that cut in a second. It's like, oh! And then he got out the phone and he crushed this chick. He verbally crushed this chick. And I was like, I'm watching this happen. Yeah, it was rough. And he got away with it because oh my god, saying it. Yeah. it. It was funny and she was mean. <clears throat> yeah. For her to say that, you know this dude just got divorced from this girl. Why would you say sure. She said it such a mean, oh, that's my about Rebecca. So, yeah, he torched her. Yeah. He verbally torched her. It was like, but he said it so kindly. I'll deal with that about a lot of seconds. <laughs> but that's he actually opened he hung up and he goes you know that's my friend why would you and then boom 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 it's like what it's Bob Saget he knew what you were getting yeah yeah one night one night Bob uh, Bobcat Goldthwait was on stage when I was first starting out and uh, this crowd was just being really disrespectful and rude and, and someone said something about his mom and he just goes he goes my mom's dead you cunt what else she, what else she got oh, oh. <laughs> you know, like, oh, game yeah, right there Bobcat game. doesn't give a shit man he he's a good dude and he's funny but like when he does stand up it's pretty much it's pretty much just uh, for the money because he's like yeah this isn't my thing I still have not seen Shakes the Clown everyone says it's great yeah I've heard that too but uh, I've never seen it either um he was one of the first famous people that I ever worked with. Right. Uh, I remember the first time I worked with Polly Shore, uh, that was the first time I ever got paid on the road. I made $150 to host for Polly Shore. And my friend James Johan got 500 which I thought at the time, I was like, you got $500. Yeah. I thought that was such a big freaking deal. Yeah. And Polly Shore got 30000 And there's one show he like, couldn't even finish the show because someone was... Someone was heckling, so I basically just walked off stage. <clears throat> but after the very first show, I remember this really pretty girl coming up and sitting down and being like, and being like, kind of flirting with me. And I was like, shit, I guess this is how it's going to be. You know, you go on the road and girls just come up. And, and after a few minutes, you know, she goes, So, 
where's Polly staying? And Damn. I was like, ah, Damn. shit. Like, it, 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 it hit me that quick, like, uh, open my, uh, MCs aren't, uh, aren't pulling a lot of pudding, Tim. <laughs> so, back in the day, the first club I ever, I ever, like, so it was a real club, but they paid me to come out. It was uh, Tucson, which is two hours from Phoenix. So it was the first time I drove in a car for two hours, and I got paid, and I was the MC. Uh, well, we're at, uh, we're doing the show, and I mean, no, it was Albuquerque. It was Albuquerque, and uh, I'm talking with the, the main cook in the back, and he's this guy, everybody loves this guy, he's great, he's funny. And he's like, dude, the girls were talking about you, some of the, the, the chicks you can probably hook up with. Any one of them you want tonight, we're all going to a party over at so and so's. I'm like, what? Yeah, cool. <laughs> so we go back to this party, we're talking. I'm thinking, who am I going to pick out of the line? Right. right. <laughs> so I decided who I'm going to pick. This girl's giving me, you know, going back and forth, and flirting. Uh, it's at the manager's house for some reason. So, like, everyone else is like leaving the party. Me and her are still, still hanging out there. So the manager goes, Well, I'm going to go to sleep, you two. I'll see you later. Something great. So we start making out, we get naked, and then she starts crying. So, of course, I was really like, just my mama. So I stop everything. Like, like, what's the matter? She goes, oh, there's this guy I really care about. And I'm thinking of him. And it's like, oh, okay. And she goes, it's so-and-so. The main cook who told me I could pick any chick that I wanted. That's the chick she's doing. Really? So she's like, yeah, I don't know what to do. So now it's pitch black. I'm butt naked being Dr. Phil. Well, what you got to do is realize that dog won't hunt until you talk to him. Right? So it's just a weird, awkward thing because we're naked and, but we're talking I'm kind of consoling like blah blah I'm like well you know I, I fully understand you know I'm gonna cry on my shoulder I'm like alright so I go to get dressed and she goes well what are you doing I go well I, I guess I'm gonna go oh you don't have to go so then we ended up doing the do but it was just so weird <laughs> that we went through these circles <laughs> yeah yeah I uh I don't know man I, it, it's definitely not what people think like it's always yeah. It, people are always uh, <clears throat> people are always on dates. Right. You know, comedy club thing is a date thing to yeah. do. So people are always on dates, and uh, and the girls that that would come up to me were always were rarely girls I wanted to come talk to me. Right. <laughs> you know, um, I had this line that was kind of mean. I quit doing it. I probably shouldn't even say it on this. But. <laughs> One night on stage, I go, I'm like Brad Pitt to fat chicks. Oh. <laughs> Do you know Kevin Bozeman? Uh, yes, everyone knows Kevin Bozeman. So I'm working with Kevin Bozeman. Kevin gave me uh, one of my best compliments ever. He goes, after the show, he goes, man, you were really killing it tonight. He goes, at one point, I got worried. Then I remembered, I'm Kevin Bozeman. <laughs> now, if you know Kevin, that was a compliment. Kevin Bozeman, right? So, uh, we do the show, uh, he's still on stage, I leave to go back to the hotel, realize I've forgotten my headphones. So I come back with the headphones, and the show's over, he goes, oh, you came back. He goes, that girl over there keeps asking about you. I'm like, oh, what girl? That girl over there. So it's good looking chicks. So I go over there, hey, I heard you were asking about me. So oh, yeah, I was, I'm glad you came back. So we start having a conversation, uh, instant attraction. Uh, we actually start smooching at the table, you know, moving very, very fast. Then her friend starts puking. And so, of course, they have to go. It's like that glass slipper. You know, oh, we got to go take my friends. Whereas those guys, we'd let you puke on the floor. Right. We'd hit some cab fare. Roll him um, over on his stomach yeah, so he doesn't yeah, exactly. die. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, uh, he won't choke to death. He'll be all right. So uh, uh, for two years, uh, I, I texted her up down. They're like, hey, what's going on? Like, who is this? These are the texts I'm getting back. Who, who is this? It's like, remember, comedian, Lauren from Bubba. 
oh, oh, hey, how you doing? Yeah, horrible job, right? So then uh, I'm going to play a gig in Chicago. She's going to be there, come out and see me. Everything hits just like it was before, right? So now, fast forward uh, to almost three years ago. I text Bozeman. I go, do you remember that girl we met when I forgot my headphones? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, we're getting married. And so he calls me. He calls me, wait, 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 you're talking about the girl we were working in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, you forgot your headphones, you came back, and I was at the game, and I told you that girl was looking for you. That girl? I go, yeah. And he goes, you're welcome. Click. So hangs up the phone. He's the one that taught me, um, he was like, I never stopped to eat. He was like, I never stopped to eat. Every minute you're in that car doing something besides driving, you're not just driving. That's digging into your time. And I always remembered that. And then I would always get my food. Break that down. Um, where, you know, a lot of people stop at like a diner or something and get out of the car for 30 minutes or something to eat. So you're driving to a gig. Yeah. Okay. And they would stop at a restaurant and go inside and eat. And he was like, I never do that. He was like, everything, because when I'm eating and I'm driving, I'm not just driving. I'm still digging into my drive. But I'm also oh. getting I'm also getting something done. I right. never stop. That's stupid, yeah. and that always <laughs> stuck with me. And I've never done that either ever since. And that's from Kevin Bozeman. And I don't think I've seen him in I don't think I've seen him in 15 years. Oh, <laughs> but it's weird the things that stick with you and uh, everything, every story, everything I tell up and coming comics. If I give a shit about trying to help them, right? <clears throat> if I think they're uh, listening because I, I love helping people it's just that do it for everybody a lot of people aren't receptive to it either right. these days so i don't bother but jason dixon is the one that uh i quote more than anyone like if someone's really eating it uh jason dixon would come over and he'd go now the crowd is like an abused housewife oh. <laughs> they want to trust you <laughs> but it's going to take a little bit exactly. <laughs> you work morty's no, I work at Crackers. Like a and, manager uh, there named Avery. And Avery is great for busting your balls. You have the best set ever. You get off stage and feeling good. My chest is out. He goes, hey, 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 come here, come here, come here. And I'm thinking he's going to go, great job. I go, yeah, hey. He goes, so where do you think you lost them? Yeah. I was like, ow. Straight fist. Yeah, I had a guy do that to me one night after I, I destroyed somewhere. And I was just like, at first I didn't really get it. I was like, did he really? Oh, he's fucking up. Exactly. But uh, Warren B. Hall, we have done 55 minutes. That's probably enough for anybody. And I'm looking at your notes. We only did four of the questions you had. We I'm didn't sorry. do any of these freaking questions. I'm, a but, uh, I'm sorry. No, no, man. We didn't, we didn't need to. I, I did write out some questions because I thought maybe it would be... Uh, but yeah, we, we seem to uh, be able to talk to each other pretty easily. So Thanks, buddy. I uh, really, really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it was easy and uh, it was fun working with you. Send me the link, and I will have my six followers listen to it also. All right. Well, <laughs> I, I have to put it on the proper uh, thing, so it might be a minute, but uh, it'll be up. Where? Where? Well, All thanks right. for having me, man. You bet. God bless you. I feel like we should shake hands right. or something. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Can I, can I, I'd like to promote. I'm on Pandora. Yeah, please, God. People. Promote whatever you uh, want. If you have Pandora, if you don't have it, it's a free app. Download Pandora, and you can make your own channel. So if you like, say, Tim Gaither, you can make a Tim Gaither channel and then it'll play him mainly with some other funny funny comics mixed in so if you could do that with warren b hall b is boy that would be great warren b hall that's it. anything else 
uh, you know, the Instagram, everything is Warren B. Hall. So okay. if you find me, everything's at Warren B. Hall. All right. Cool, All right. man. Yeah, I need to talk to you about that uh, Pandora stuff because that sounds cool. So, yeah, please check him out. He's a very funny dude. So thanks for coming on, buddy. Thank you. All right. God bless you. Bye.